grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crammed to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and let's keep up with the Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping Up With The Windsors. My name is Michelle. And I'm Rachel. And do you know what, Rachel? I was thinking this this week. Um, we're on episode 90 right now. In 10 weeks time, we're going to hit 100th, like our 100th episode. It's going to be our centenary episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, a centenary. I can't believe it. Wow. I mean, what an achievement. Are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. It doesn't feel real, but... <laughs> Welcome, Royal Community. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. Please feel free to send in your voice notes about our current issues with the royal family. We did have a few voice notes for today, didn't we, Rach, on Instagram? But Instagram is not allowing us to play them for some strange reason. So we will make sure that we get them in for next week's episode instead. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah, and we watched a um, little show that was released last week, didn't we, Shell? What are you going on about, Rach? Hang on a second. I think it's jogging my memory now. Something called The Crown? Yeah, just, just. It's a small show, you know. Just so, a uh, small little show. <laughs> so yeah, so stay tuned, Royal Community, as we'll be giving you our overall thoughts on season five of The Crown. Yeah, today's episode, there's not going to be like a massive Royal News section. We're just going to go through everything that's come out this week. And I think we should just really go in there and just start with the Royal Roundup straight away, Rach. You ready? Let's do it. So let's start with a royal birthday and the king celebrated his 74. Happy birthday, sir. Happy birthday, sir. So this was on Monday and to mark the occasion, it was announced that he has become park ranger of Windsor Great Park. 70 years after Prince Philip held the position. I really enjoyed hearing about this, but Rachel, my first thought was, where is he going to find the time? I know, I mean... We've been to Windsor and let me tell you right now, all community, I don't think I've ever stepped foot in the park. So we can't give you any analysis of what the park looks like. I'm sure it looks amazing, but yeah, we we, we don't know because we've never been there. We need to put that on our list of things to do. Maybe when it gets a bit warmer next year, we'll go again. Yeah. But a little bit of royal history for you. As you know, all community, we love sharing a bit of royal history. The role of the ranger traces back to, get this, 1559. Yes, wow. you've heard that correctly. 1559, <laughs> when Sir Henry Neville was appointed during Elizabeth I's reign. And this post is usually held by the sovereign or a member of the royal family. Oh, it's, it's so historical, isn't it? It's very historical. So not only did we have the announcement of him becoming ranger, but there was also a royal gun salute in Green Park and the military band outside Buckingham Palace played Happy Birthday to mark the occasion. I tell you what's really special about this is the fact that it's his first birthday since becoming the sovereign. And I think it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, and there was that lovely photograph taken by our favourite Chris Jackson of him, you know, just hanging out by an oak tree. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was, and I think we should call Chris Jackson CJ from now on. <laughs> like, well, we're on like first name terms with CJ. <laughs> CJ, because we're like this with him. <laughs> we're not we're Royal Kitty. We're not Royal Kitty. We've just got a massive crush on his photography skills. Okay, let's move on quickly, Rach. Um, <laughs> his Majesty the King has written to the House of Lords to change Section 6 of the Regency Act 1937 
to include the Princess Royal and the Earl of Wessex as councillors of states. Now, this is a big deal this week, isn't it? And we'll talk about it a little bit more as we go along. But His Majesty wrote, to ensure continued efficiency of public business when I'm unavailable, such as when I'm undertaking official duties overseas, I confirm that I would be most content should Parliament see fit for the number of people who may be called upon to act as councillor of state under the terms of the Regency Act 1937 to 1963 to be increased to include my sister and brother, both of whom have previously undertaken the role. Now, the bill will be debated on Monday and will be dealt with on Wednesday, the 23rd of November. But this potentially means that Prince Harry and Prince Andrew, who are no longer working royals and obviously Harry's in the US, they could potentially be sidelined by this change in the Council of State. What are you thinking about this, Rach? I think it's the right move. Like you said... They're no longer working royals. Harry lives in another country. If something major was to happen, you know, it's not just a quick 10-minute drive down the road, is it? He'd have to get on a plane and come all the way from America. And Prince Andrew, he's been shamed so publicly that there's no way for him to come back into royal life. So to me, it just makes sense. And we know how hardworking the Princess Royal is and the Earl of Wessex. And I think... Why not? So let's talk a little bit more about this then. The current councillors of state, there are five. One is the king's spouse, and then the other four are the next in line to the throne. And they have to be 21 years old or older. So this means it's the queen consort, Prince William, Prince Harry, Prince Andrew, and also Princess Beatrice. Now, what I'll do in the show notes is I'll put some links in for the government website. From my understanding, you cannot actually change Section 6. Now, what tends to happen and what happened in 1953 with the Queen Mother is you get added on. So a new section, Section 3, adds on. Again, like I say, I'll put the information in. It's really interesting, this article I was reading today about it. And that happened in 1953 when the King died and the Queen Consort at the time, the Queen Mother was taken off as Councillor of State. But actually, they wanted it to continue as Councillor of State. So they did exactly what King Charles is doing now and has asked for her to stay on. So they had the normal five people plus the Queen Mother. So I don't think anything's going to change with the Councillors of State. They'll still have the five that we just mentioned, but they will add Anne and Edward if it goes through because the legislation needs to change with that Act of Regency. So... It's whether they approve that or not. Edward is 13th in line and Anne is 16th in line to the throne. So they are quite far back. Um, So I think it makes sense to us as royal fans that they would be added. But I don't know whether they will go with this. We'll find out more next week and we will come back and let you know, Royal Community, when we have more information. Let's move on. And Prince William's faced a bit of controversy this week, hasn't he? He definitely did an own goal. Let's put it that way. He did. <laughs> but a boomsh. <laughs> so as president of the FA, William visited the England squad before they left for the World Cup in Qatar, which will begin this Sunday. But he was called out on Twitter by the actor Michael Sheen, who is Welsh. Let's just start by saying that. So Michael Sheen tweeted about William visiting the England squad. And in his tweet he put 
Surely he sees holding the title Prince of Wales at the same time is entirely inappropriate. Not a shred of embarrassment or sensitivity to the problem here. Now, this is the first year since 1958 that Wales has played in the World Cup. So him not acknowledging the team hasn't gone down very well. So then, literally a day or two after, we saw William was in Cardiff on Wednesday at the Senate, which is the Welsh Parliament. And I think he knew that he upset a few people because he said, or he was heard saying... I support both. I support England more in football, but Wales in the rugby. Getting to the World Cup is a big deal and I'll be supporting Wales through the process. I've got to be able to play carefully with my affiliations. I worry otherwise if I suddenly drop England to support Wales, then that doesn't look right for the sport either. And England v Wales World Cup final would be the best. That would be pretty good. So I was speaking to one of our followers on Instagram, Bedwith. Sorry if I've mispronounced that incorrectly. I'll have to ask Michelle if I've pronounced that right. <laughs> You're trying your best, Rachel. Oh, I'm really sorry if I've mispronounced it wrong. Um, I didn't even realise, I didn't even know about this until he brought it up. And then I saw it on Twitter and I was like, all oh, right, okay. And I can understand. I mean, obviously I'm not Welsh, but I can understand the frustration of a Welsh person I mean, I'm talking to a Welsh person right now. <laughs> I'll have my say in a minute, Rach. You carry on. Don't worry. But I can see the frustration of, of a Welsh person because like um, Michael Sheen was saying, he is the Prince of Wales. So for him to openly support the England team and then not to support the Welsh team, it was a bit like, right, okay, but you are the Prince of Wales. Surely holding that title should mean that's the team that you should be supporting, Right. But William has obviously grown up supporting the England team. So I can see that he's predicament in that sense because, like he said, he's got to be careful with his affiliations because if he pees off one, the English side, then he's going to piss off the Welsh chart side and vice versa, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of dynamics going on here. And this is the reason also why it blew up in William's face because he was seen saying the whole country's behind you and representing the whole country. And he said that in his role as president of the FA, the English Football Association. So it makes sense as his role of president to go to the English team and give them their shirts. However, this is where it gets a bit messy because there is also a Welsh Football Association that William isn't president of. But also, and this is where it gets even more messy, Royal Community, stay with me. Welsh teams play in the English Football League. So that's the one aspect. He was there in his capacity of, as president. But then he's also the Prince of Wales. And with that title comes a lot of other things. I mean, if anyone's watching The Crown, when Prince Charles was invested as the Prince of Wales, you will know there was uproar in Wales to have an English prince be given a Welsh prince's title. We have a lot of Welsh nationalists who believe that we shouldn't be part of the United Kingdom and who want independence from England. It also feeds into that. And let's put it this way. There is a Celtic divide. So our cultures are different and we were taken over by England at some point. Hence the reason I'm speaking English to you right now and not Welsh. Within that civil war where England took over Wales, 
there's still that hostility. There's still that bitterness. There's still that you took our culture away from us and we're to reclaim that back. And that's the reason why Wales wanted to be known as Cymru and not Wales in this World Cup. I don't think it's happening this time, but I think in the next World Cup, if they do get there, they'll be known as Cymru, which is obviously Wales in Welsh. So there's so many different facets to this. When I saw William doing the engagement, I thought, oh, that's nice. They gave him a, a shirt and whatever. Because in my mind, he's English to me. Yeah, he's not Welsh. It didn't click either. And it wasn't until Bedrith said that to me. And I was like, oh, yes, I understand now. Yeah. And what's interesting as well is, we've, we've said before, being the Prince of Wales, and you said it time and time again, the Prince and Princess of Wales should be in Wales more. They should be. They hold the titles. They need to be seen in Wales. This is where I differ, because I actually think they should predominantly be based in Wales. And then they should go visit England and visit Scotland and visit Northern Ireland and then the other Commonwealth countries. I don't believe they should live in England and then come to Wales to visit us. That comes with the title, I believe. And I was reading somewhere today, I'll have to double check it, but there was a certain amount of English princes that never ever visited Wales, even though they held the title Prince of Wales. Now, it's not a title that is inherited when he becomes heir to the throne. It is bestowed upon him by the king or queen at the time. So I always thought, if you know you're going to be Prince of Wales, know the language, you know the culture, and be respectful for the heritage of it. But William didn't know whether he was going to be bestowed or not. But I think that's a conversation he should have had with the king, and he mm. should have learnt Welsh regardless. Hopefully Hopefully George will learn Welsh. It may, it's so easy to learn languages at a young age. Yeah. So long story short, when the king did his first ever speech from Buckingham Palace, he said, I am now monarch. The other roles that I used to play, I can't do that anymore. I'm a monarch. And I believe that this is the same with the Prince of Wales. He should then say, regardless of whether I supported England, I am Prince of Wales and I'm back in Wales 100%. That is what he should have said. He should have gone as the president of the FA and said, I wish England well. I will be supporting Wales, now being Prince of Wales. Each to their own. I hope everyone has a wonderful game and enjoys the World Cup. Because... A lot of people who don't understand the differences between our nations said he's a prince of the United Kingdom. Wales should just, you know, let it go. No, we're not letting it go. No. He holds that title. It's a deep history at the end of the day. It's not just about supporting a football team, is it? It's a history that goes way, way back. You know, in years to come, if Prince George's bestowed the Prince of Wales title, we're still going to be talking about the same issue, aren't we? Absolutely. And when are they going to learn... Because it is a very important conversation to have. And I also think, Rach, that is hard if you, and maybe I'm simplifying it, but it is hard if you don't understand the history. I don't think even some English people understand it. You really have to go to Wales and really understand. And it, 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 it pains me to know that I'm Welsh and I can't speak Welsh. I know it up to a conversational level, but I don't know it in the way that I should have been taught way back when but it got beaten out of us, you know, in our culture. Anyway, I could go on about this forever, but I just want to say that as a Welsh person, I was really disappointed in William. At the start, I wasn't. But then as I started thinking about it, I thought, oh, wow, hang on a second. He's kind of turned a 180 here. And he now should put that title above all other things because that title does define him. And he also uses that title internationally. He is representing Wales when he goes abroad. And for an English prince to support an English side 
now bestowing a Welsh title and representing the Welsh people, it feels strange and it doesn't make sense. It makes no sense historically connecting to our culture, you know, our civil war, the way Welsh people were suppressed by English people way back when. He's walking a very thin tightrope. He's either going to be the Prince of Wales and support Wales and everything, or he picks and chooses what he wants and deals with the backlash. Let's move on to the Princess of Wales. So Catherine visited the Reading Ukrainian Community Centre to meet families and to hear about the support the centre is providing to those arriving in the UK as a result of the ongoing war. Her visit follows a roundtable virtual meeting which was held by the Royal Foundation, which is supporting and showing advice to help with Ukraine's First Lady, Alina Zelenska's mental health strategy. This has happened just today, literally just as we were about to press record on today's podcast. And Catherine was speaking to one lady and she started crying. And the woman was like, oh, I'm sorry. She was like, it's totally understandable, like everything that you've gone through. Yeah. Of course, you're going to be emotional. Mm. I haven't seen much about this engagement today, actually, Rach. Yeah, just happened today. And yeah, I think it was a nice to see Catherine. Didn't Wasn't expecting it. And I think it's one of those visits where just because we don't see the royals every single day doesn't mean they're not working behind closed doors. So for instance, this roundtable, we didn't know about it until today. That actually, she had a meeting last week with Ukraine's first lady. So yeah, I, I think, you know, this is a really nice way of showing support. Let's move on to Remembrance Day because we did mention last week that we kind of stopped the record just before all the Remembrance services were going to happen. So let's catch you up. On Saturday, the annual Festival of Remembrance took place and this year's theme reflected on the value of service. Now, this took place in Royal Albert Hall, didn't it, Rach? Yeah. There was a beautiful tribute to Queen Elizabeth II. It was just so emotional hearing her voice, and there was just lovely videos and images shown of her service and duty she carried out over the years. It was such a wonderful touch, wasn't it? Oh, it was so emotional. I mean, you know me, Cheryl, I don't really get emotional that often. <laughs> Festival of Remembrance, it always gets me. But this year, particularly, because wasn't expecting it to focus heavily on the Queen, and then we to hear her voice. And it was like, wow, we only lost her two months ago and we're yeah. hearing her voice. It felt really strange. It just yeah. felt really bizarre, but it was a beautiful tribute. Did you actually see this? Did you watch it? I saw bits of it. I was still with my family, so I didn't have as much time as I would have to watch the service. What we tend to think when we think of Remembrance Day is veterans of World War One, World War Two, But actually, she was commander-in-chief and it was a massive thing for her to be remembered because... She was just like them. She served. She did her duty. And that end part where all the poppy petals fell down from the ceiling. Oh, oh my goodness me. I just, the way they do it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I, I actually made a little note because Garrison Sergeant Major Andrew Stokes. Yay! <laughs> he's in charge of historical national state commemorations. So he was actually in charge of the Queen's funeral, the remembrance services, and most likely the King's coronation coming up. And we saw him right at the end, didn't we, Rach? And I was so happy that he yeah. got recognised. Yeah, because there was a documentary here in the UK on Channel 5, which was all about, I can't remember what it was called. Do you remember what it was called? Oh, um, no, because it actually followed like five different regiments of the, yeah. the Queen's Guards, didn't they? And the t at the time of recording, it was around Prince Philip's funeral. And obviously, because that happened during COVID, it was how they, you know, had to streamline the procession, because obviously it was supposed to be a much bigger 
occasion when it was first planned because as we know these funerals are planned years and years in advance aren't they but shell one thing that got me was we saw at the Platinum Jubilee, Andrea Bocelli, didn't we? Oh, we did. One of the best things I've ever seen live. Absolutely amazing. So amazing. And he sang with his son and daughter one of the songs, and it was incredible. I yeah. didn't see that bit. She must be about under 10, I think. You're joking. No. Yeah. Oh. How wonderful. So I absolutely loved that because I was like, wow, I'm watching him on TV and I, I saw him for free. Whereas yeah. I normally had to pay about £100 to go and see someone like that. More than that, that's in the cheap seats. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, there was a lot of emotion in the Royal Box, I have to say. And from what I've seen personally, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was such a wonderful tribute. So let's move on from Saturday because we then moved to Remembrance Sunday and the King led the nation in a two-minute silence at the centre Cenotaph. Wreaths were laid by members of the royal family and overlooked by the Queen Consort, Princess of Wales, Countess of Wessex, Vice Admiral Sir Timothy Lawrence, the Duke of Kent, Princess Alexandra and the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester. The Earl of Wessex took the salute at the Horse Guards Parade. Rach, I love the fact that the Earl of Wessex is being bumped up in these processions. This was such a big deal for him to be chosen for this. Such a big deal. We've seen such a kind of resurgence of Edward and Sophie, haven't we? Especially over, I would say, the last year. Yeah, I'd say so. Even when the Queen was still alive. No, I'd say it was since Prince Philip's passing, actually, Rach. Yeah, I mean, we kind of like knew of Edward and Sophie's work, but we wasn't really following it the way we do now. And whenever there is an engagement, we get excited about hearing about it, don't we? We do. And they they so deserve the limelight. What I found was there was lots of murmurings. When Charles becomes king, he's going to streamline the royal family. Actually, what he's done is he has given respect where it's due you know especially we've seen council of state the princess royal the earl of wessex they deserve those positions and he's saying i see the great work you do and i'm going to highlight that even more so i love this absolutely love yeah and i think there's a lot of discussion particularly when i'm talking to people over on instagram because i posted a few photos from remembrance weekend and people saying when are they going to be given the duke and duchess of edinburgh titles yeah and i personally I think it will happen, but I don't think it will happen until after the coronation or just before the coronation, purely because we've had so much change within the last few months with titles that it just feels like it wouldn't be appropriate at this point. Yeah, I mean, the the best time for them to have those titles is the coronation. So that does make sense. Whether it happens, I mean, I think it will happen, but whether it does happen or not is another story. I did want to bring up something, Rach, because the Mirror newspaper photoshopped Catherine's face on the cover of the newspaper. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah, this was her on the balcony of the Cenotaph looking down where the wreaths were being laid. Why did they do that? She looked absolutely about 20 years older than what she actually is. What were they thinking? That person, whoever put that on the front page, they need to be fired. Honestly, it was absolutely horrendous. And people on Twitter were in uproar saying, you know, she looks so much younger and everything. And we're like, yeah, because they photoshopped this so much. (laughs) Yeah. 
I don't know what they were trying to achieve. Do you know when you try and put a filter on, you're like, oh no, that filter looks awful. They've gone, yeah, it looks great. Let's stick that on there. Yeah. What? Oh my, poor Catherine is what I think. And it was on the front page. Like, poor Can you Catherine. imagine? She probably saw that on the Monday morning. <laughs> oh, like, what, what have they done, they done to me? To my face? I want to do a little honorary mention because the Queen Consort awarded Mikhail Barishinokov. I hope I said that right. I probably haven't. Sorry. <laughs> my Russian's terrible. With the Royal Academy of Dance's highest honor, the Queen Elizabeth II coronation awards and apparently he's the greatest ballet dancer of all time oh, he's but amazing show I, I haven't seen i'll have to youtube i've him. seen it yeah i've not seen him in person but i've seen performances over the years youtube in royal community he's incredible and if you're a fan of sex in the city you might recognize him because he plays Carrie Bradshaw's boyfriend, Alexander Petrotsky, in that series. But I looked at him and I was like, that's Carrie's boyfriend, isn't it? I was so embarrassed that, like, he had a life before Sex and the City. Oh, gosh. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I don't know whether you saw it, but Camilla was wearing the most beautiful ballerina pin from Van Cleef and Arpel. It was just absolutely yeah. beautiful. Oh, actually, talking of jewellery show, going back a minute, Catherine was wearing a brooch at the Cenotaph right. for Remembrance Sunday and it was sold by Bentley and Skinner. Oh, was it? Yeah. We love Bentley and Skinner. Royal community, if you don't know, where Fortnum and Mason is on Piccadilly, Bentley and Skinner is literally right across the road from it. Yeah. And it's one of the places Shell and I go to basically drool over the most gorgeous diamonds and pieces of jewellery you've ever seen in your life. So this brooch apparently was sold in February for about £14,000. Wow. So we don't know whether it was obviously a gift or Catherine bought it herself. But honestly, Royal community, window shop, Bentley and Skinner, go online, have a look, and you'll be amazed at the jewellery that they sell. We've seen a few more royal engagements this week, but we thought we would just streamline it with these for the moment and head straight into the crown discussion. We're going to do a little prefix for this because Rachel and I will be creating individual episode breakdowns for the crown and putting it up on our youtube channel keeping up with the windsors and um, that will be coming up over the coming weeks and we'll also be going into detail with our vip royal community with the monthly zoom so if you want a more in-depth head to youtube or you can join the vip royal community but today we're just going to give you our complete overview of what <laughs> we thought of the crown royal community spoiler alert i'm gonna put spoilers so if you've not watched the whole season maybe log off a bit now because I'm going to mention one or two things that I, that's happened this season. Do you want to go first, Rach? No, you can go first. <laughs> community. If you remember last week, she gave us her first 10 minutes. <laughs> I've watched 10 minutes and this is what I think so far. Um, but now you've, you've finished, right? I finished the whole series. So... Episode one, I fell asleep three times whilst trying to watch. Yeah. You can see where this is going, Royal Community. Episode two was all right. I can't even remember what they're called now. That's how insurmountable they were to my life. I don't know why we needed so much information about the Alphayeds family. I have no clue why there was a whole episode. And it was interesting. I did enjoy the episode, but I don't think it was needed at all. As we went along, I was so disappointed at the Winds of Fire. That episode for me was the most disappointing because that was such a big deal. I'm nodding my head furiously here. Like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm trying not to look at Rachel whilst we're recording. Um, <laughs> but I was so disappointed. Absolutely. There wasn't any build up to it. it uh, do you know 
we had more of a build-up to somebody breaking into Buckingham Palace and talking to the Queen in her bedroom than we did with a fire that cost millions and millions of pounds of destruction and damage. I was so disappointed, especially because it meant so much to the Queen and the royal family. And I don't feel like they gave that episode justice at all. Then we move on to my favourite episode. I, I keep it with a bit of lightness. My favourite episode was actually Tampon Gate. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why is because I think they did it with respect. Mm. I was expecting to be really salacious, really like... Um, Dirty. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did expect them to take the cheap punches and they didn't. But I also feel like maybe they went too much in on the sympathy for Charles because I love that they talked about the prince's trust at the end. I love that they highlighted his good work and that Charles and Camilla were both victims of this. And actually, I don't even think what they said was that bad. I actually found it quite funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you listen back to it, it's not dirty at all. It's actually just humorous in a way. But maybe because he's now king. I don't know whether any of the PR team got in, involved with the crown and said, well, you can't do that. I don't know what happens behind closed doors. Right. It did feel a bit too PR'd for me, that episode. But I still love the way they did it. Okay, I'm going to say it right now. I got my favourite character and my least favourite character. Who do you think my favourite character is, Rach? Don't say Princess Anne. No. I'll give you one more guess before I tell you. Royal community, who do you think my favourite? Whoever you're with, whatever's around you, just shout it out right now. I won't be able to hear you, but just do it. (laughs) My favourite character of the whole series was Camilla. I thought she was absolutely excellent. The actress that played her got her accent spot on, her mannerisms, and also the way in which she supports Charles. I thought that came across really well. It did obviously highlight the fact they were both having affairs, something that I don't agree with, but I think it's just like the portrayal of Camilla, especially because last episode, the episodes before, they did Camilla dirty, didn't they? So I was quite happy about that. My least favourite character, I hate to say it, my least favourite character was Prince Philip. Not because he's a bad actor, not at all, but I think he came across too theatrical. And a lot of the acting in The Crown was theatrical this series. And I think that's what let it down. A lot of bad casting, a lot of overacting for me, Mm. uh, unfortunately. And I liked John Major. I thought I wasn't going (laughs) to like him, but I liked him. I'm sorry, but... Johnny Lee Miller is way too good looking to be playing John Major. (laughs) I could go on and on and on. Please feel free to join us over on YouTube for the rest of my discussion on The Crown. But Rachel, (laughs) I'm going to pass it over to you. Do you know what? I was, I mean, we both were so looking forward to this season of The Crown. And you even said, Shell. Stupidly. (laughs) I think this is going to be my favourite season. That's what you said, right? And it's my least favourite. I was with you. Episode one, I honestly was like, what is this? Even from episode one, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't hit the mark for me. And I loved seeing Claire Foy. But as the episode went on, seeing Imelda Staunton as the queen, just as a character, she just didn't gel. She didn't feel like the essence of the queen. And I've said it before, Olivia Coleman. I had to watch season three twice to get my head around Olivia Coleman. But then I did and, and I saw the queen in her. And I just did not feel that from Imelda Staunton. For me, that was my worst character. Oh, really? Yeah. And actually going through the whole series, I felt like the character of the Queen was a supporting role to Charles and Diana. Now, Royal Community, as we know, the 90s for the Royal Family was explosive. So much happened. But every single episode, it was kind of like they had a storyline and it felt like, oh, are they going to go there? They're going to go there. 
-hmm. And it was just that big letdown. And again, it it just doesn't hit the mark. For instance, Diana's book coming out, we saw the beginnings of how that formed, you know, the meeting Andrew um, Morton and her recording the tapes, great. But it doesn't show the aftermath and the repercussions of what happened after the book release. Exactly the same with the Bashir interview. Honestly, I'm so glad you brought that up because I completely forgot. I just feel like there's so many big moments in this season of The Crown. It, It was just such a letdown. For instance, like you said, Tampon Gate. I was expecting that to be explosive. And when I watched it, I was like, well, this is rather tame. (laughs) Yeah. So in episode one, it's about Britannia, right? About how expensive Britannia is. And the Queen basically wants the government to pay for the work on Britannia. And then the episode just kind of like left it. And I was like, well, I hope they're coming back to that at some point. Because that's such a crap ending to the episode. We go to episode 10. And episode 10 has, again talking about Britannia and this time Tony Blair's coming in as the leader of the Labour Party and Britannia's brought up yet again and Britannia's been decommissioned. This was such a big moment within the royal families, not only the royal family's life because they spent many holidays on board Britannia, but the Queen's life. And there's only one or two instances throughout a whole reign that we've seen the Queen emotional, crying, Mm -hmm. And Britannia being decommissioned was one of them. And they did not even depict that on the crown. The way that the last episode ended, I was like, do not end it, do not end it. And it ended. And I was just like, I felt like I've lost 10 hours of my life. Like you said, like, what just happened? So many big things. They just haven't gone there this season. And it just doesn't hit the mark. And I'm so disappointed because I was really looking forward to this season. I thought... The worst character was the Queen. Elizabeth Debicki plays Diana. She got her mannerisms down. She got the look down. Charles, I'm sorry, just it just doesn't look like Charles. He had, again, he had the facial mannerisms, but it was like, no, it, it just it just didn't gel from the start. There was just something off this whole season. For instance, Britannia episode. I was trying to figure out, Shell, whether it was supposed to be Margaret or Anne. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until oh. they was in the lighthouse and they was, and then she's like mummy who's that and oh tim timothy timothy lawrence yeah and i was like, all right it's, it's definitely Anne now i get that this season was supposed to be about diana and charles that was the big thing that happened this season but again it's like they didn't really go there i actually really enjoyed the scene where they're at this point they're getting divorced and charles goes back to kensington palace and they're having that conversation and they're kind of reliving their marriage in a way because it's like well it wasn't all bad and then they end up in this massive argument at the end and I really enjoyed that scene between them two as actors but going back to what you said about the Al Fires I think the reason that had a whole episode was because this season felt like the pre-season to next season mm-hmm. because next season is obviously the last one and if it's going to be explosive everything's going to happen there because obviously we're going to have the crash and I feel like they're setting us up, especially with the Alphires, for that to happen. Because as we know, the aftermath of that was Mohammed Alphires blaming the royal family, saying that it was a hit, that it was murder, yeah. that they had they had planned it. And I think that's why we got a whole episode. I, I actually really enjoyed that episode. Yeah, but didn't you think though, Rach, that it was like, if I clicked on the wrong program here, hang on a minute. Oh, I am watching The Crown about the royal family. Even going back to like when he was selling Coke, right? I was like, why do I need to know this right now? Let's carry on with the storyline, people. Don't you remember? I think it was last season. There was an episode where it, I think it was the episode where it was Philip and when he was like fascinated with the astronauts. 
going into space. Yeah. And that episode was just like, that was such an unnecessary episode. It just dragged. And every episode of The Crown this season, for me, it just, oh my God, another thing. Sorry, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm interrupting myself. Here. It was supposed to be an overview, like... Rach, not an actual thesis. I know, I know. <laughs> but you know, we're talking about big storylines. It's the fact that they had Diana meeting Hazmit Khan, yeah. the doctor, right? They dated for two years and it was it was only a couple of months before Diana's death that they separated, that mm-hmm. they ended their relationship. The crown made it out. They, they literally went on a few dates and that was it. Yeah. So that's what I mean, where it felt like they had so many big storylines, but they just didn't take it to the full advantage. Yeah. I think actually they rushed it. They wanted to create drama where there was no drama. And then where there was drama, they tried to kind of just move it out. Yeah, downplay is the right word to use. Yeah. So I'm very disappointed. And like you said, if this is the precursor to the end series, then fine. But actually, that's still 10 hours of my life that I put into that. I deserve to have you know good quality viewing but maybe it's because we're royal fans Rach maybe people who are not royal fans absolutely loved it but actually when we go about debunk these episodes over on YouTube I think we'll be going into detail about what was real what wasn't real and also some of the editorial choices they made per episode were absolutely like why did they do that Why did they choose to depict Prince Charles trying to get the Queen abdicated? It makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. When they had these big storylines that actually happened. Exactly, Rach. Keep your eye on the prize. Peter Morgan, like, honestly. Peter Morgan, sort it out. I think what a lot of people were saying, especially when I was talking to people on Instagram, was that because the past few seasons of The Crown majority of us wasn't necessarily alive for those periods. So we've had to do our own research and we've had to find out whether things were true or not and what was depicted. But because now we're in the 90s and obviously if you listen to the podcast, you probably were alive at the time this happened. If you don't remember it, you kind of in in your conscience do a bit, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that, but I do actually remember it. But you saying it, Shell, when I was at work the other day, I've got people that I work with that are not fans. Obviously, they they know the royal family, but they're not fans like we are. And even they were saying this season's really boring compared yeah. to the last. And I was like, I know, but so many things happened in the 90s. That's what's so annoying about this season. And I think because it was the whole Charles and Diana, I think by episode five, I was like, surely it's got to pick up now. It's yeah. got to pick up. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I think by episode nine, it kind of did a bit. Yeah. But then it, it went down again. And it, it just, yeah. honestly, for me, this season, the worst season, and the way they ended it, I put on the Instagram, I was like, what a load of, excuse my French, but what a load of crap. <laughs> I honestly was like, I can't <laughs> believe they ended it like they did. Yeah. I was so, so disappointed. We know that William and Catherine in next season are going to meet. I feel like for it to go from season one with the Queen and Prince Philip to end with William and Catherine, I would love for them to depict their wedding because Mm. it would be like a full circle moment of this is where the monarchy was at in the 1950s and this is where the monarchy is at today. This is the future. 
William yeah. and Catherine. But from what we've seen this season, I've got no hope for next season now. I just don't know where they're going to take it and how they're going to end it. What do you think, Royal Community? Let us know over on Keeping Up With The Winds' pod at gmail.com. You can also come on over to Instagram, Keeping Up With The Winds' pod. Don't forget you can follow us on YouTube, Keeping Up With The Winds'. And we've also got our VIP Royal Community over on Kofi, where you can join us for more exclusive Royal content. And also, come on over, give us a voice note of what you thought of The Crown. Obviously, you've heard what Rachel and I think of it. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Let us know. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on Keeping Up With The Windsors. Windsors.